0: Welcome to the Positive Sports Podcast. I'll be your host this evening, Ed Montana. As you can see, I am flying solo today. Alex has had some family issues to deal with. Nothing serious, but let's just say he's at home, safe and sound. Uh, And we had some technical difficulties. Couldn't do the Zoom thing because, well, we're both old and we don't know how to work Zoom effectively, I guess is what it boils down to. So, today you just get... The light version of me. Now, it's Tuesday here in Katy, Texas, right outside of Houston, and as you noticed, it looks like I'm wearing some kind of thing around my neck. Well, in the running world, they have this thing called Metal Monday, but we didn't do the podcast on Monday, and I, for one, celebrate my medals all week long. So, what you see around my neck is a finisher's medal from the Houston Marathon that I ran on Sunday, the 50th running of the Chevron Houston Marathon. There's a sign behind me. (laughs) There's a sign behind me of 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 one from previous years. But I ran the marathon on Sunday. It was a very, very cold day. I had a mediocre day. I made it through. I survived. I feel good. I'm healthy. I had a lot of fun with friends. And so, yeah, that's what I did on Sunday. Just went out and ran 26 miles. My 27th Consecutive Houston Marathon, my 64th marathon overall, 63, 64, something like that. And uh, I'll tell you what, it is an incredible event. I was out there running at the same time that two women broke American records. Kira D'Amato broke the American record in the in the women's marathon, and Sarah Hall broke the half marathon record, the women's half marathon record. So I was out there at the same time. They finished well before I did. Let's just say they were probably back in their hotel resting and uh, drinking some hot chocolate while I was still out on the roads trying to survive the wind and cold. It was good. There was a stretch for about four miles where the wind was right in your face. And that was hell. Well, I guess not hell because it was really cold. But it was unpleasant to run because every step you took forward, you felt like you were being pushed back a couple of inches. But anyway, that's the way it goes sometimes. Congratulations to Kira DiAmato. Congratulations to Sarah Hall. Congratulations to all the winners of the uh, the marathon and the half marathon, the five k on Saturday. Like I said, Houston puts on an incredible event. It was so nice to be out there with fifteen thousand people. Um, you know, obviously we didn't have one last year. And so to be back out there this year was incredible. It was just, it's great. It's a, it's an electric experience to see people cheering the whole way. Um, the city really comes out for it. It, I can't say enough good things about the race, the experience. I love it. It, it, it doesn't matter how well or how poorly I do. Um, it's a, it's a day that I always enjoy. And it's an event that it's just truly unique. Um, this is my, you know, at this point, this is my adopted hometown, and it feels great uh, to run through the streets of Houston and and complete another marathon. I can't wait to do it again next year. Um, <clears throat> speaking of can't wait to do it again next year, there's several teams this weekend that are already thinking, can't wait to do it next year. But they... Didn't have a good time this weekend. They have a bitter taste in their mouth. And so they are just wanting to get back to work and hope that next year is better. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the first weekend of the NFL playoffs. Super wild card weekend. The first weekend uh, in the NFL playoff history where you have six games. The first weekend where you had a Monday night playoff game. Um, And look... This is not going to be a popular opinion. But maybe having more teams in the playoffs is not a good thing. We got some real uh, blowouts. I mean, there's no other way to really... I mean, we we got one good game. And that one was marred by officiating. And we got another game that had a close finish, but in the end, I think everybody lost. So... Without any further ado, let's go through the games. Let's look forward to next weekend. Let's talk NFL football, week one of the playoffs, right? Week, I guess this is week 19, technically. Super wild card weekend. Let's call it what it is. Super wild card weekend. You have the Raiders, went to Cincinnati. Cincinnati, trying to win a playoff game for the first time in 31 years. The Bengals ended up winning the game 26-19. And unfortunately, it was a good game. But all we're going to talk about when it comes to that game is is the officiating? The officiating was terrible. Um, there was an inadvertent whistle that the Raiders very obviously stopped playing. Um, Joe Burrow found someone in the end zone, threw the touchdown, and they let it stand. And and, and sometimes things have to happen in order for rules to change, right? An inadvertent whistle dispute is not reviewable. My guess would be probably because they can't get the audio to work for them. Um, but regardless, that's obviously a rule they're going to change going forward. But it does the Raiders no good. And it, 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 hurts, it, it hurts a little bit more when you end up losing by seven. Now... Granted, it happened in the second quarter. There was a lot that they could have done in the second half of that football game to actually end up winning the football game or maybe tying the football game and and pushing it into overtime. Sure, there's other things that could have been done. But when you just about hand another team seven points, it's tough to overcome. Um, And the Raiders have overcome a lot this year. Remember, John Gruden was the head coach of the Raiders before this season started. Weeks and weeks of speculation of what he said in those emails and what kind of comments he made about who and what. And then finally he got fired. And then the new guy comes in. And you know he's got an interim tag on him, which is never an easy situation. That team has had to overcome quite a bit. Um, they had to win quite a few football games towards the end of the season to even get into the playoffs. And, uh, you know, look, they, good for them. I think the season is still a success. They have stuff to build on. Offensively, they're a good football team. Defensively, they're getting better. They have stuff to build on, but it's still a bitter pill to swallow for them. Knowing that they lost a football game by seven, and one of the touchdowns that Cincinnati scored was on a, on a, on a play with an inadvertent whistle. I mean, that's not the reason they lost, but, you know. Um, <clears throat> and then you've got, you, you know, a, a, a roughing the passer call late in the game. Uh, where uh, a Cincinnati Bengal guy kind of comes across the front of Derek Carr, doesn't actually hit him in the head. Derek Carr, you know, either a flinch or, or a flop or a fake or a, an acting job, whatever you want to call it. He flips his head back, gets the call, gives the uh, Raiders a big first down as they're trying to drive down the field to uh, possibly tie the game. And, you know, it's just, it, it, mistakes like that at this level are just unfortunate. It, you, you can't have it. The NFL's got to look into it. Um, it was a good football game, and unfortunately, the only topic of conversation after that game was about the refereeing. I mean, it's it's terrible, and and um, you know you just the NFL can't continue to have these issues with referees. It just it looks so incredibly bad for the uh for the league it just it looks terrible and it's um you know it's it's so unfortunate that we're here on Monday or or in this case Tuesday talking about the officiating it's just it's sad for lack of a better word i mean i i don't know how else to explain it other than it's just sad that this is what we're talking about today um and then and then we get into the blowouts. I mean, it, <clears throat> at, at this point it, it just ends up being uh really just not that entertaining as much as we were looking forward to it. Saturday night we get the Patriots going up to Buffalo to play the Bills and look I don't know you, you know the Bills just manhandled the Patriots. I mean, they just manhandled them. They went up and down the field at will, and um, they scored on. I think they scored on every single possession. It was twenty-seven to three at halftime. Um, there was no game to be had here. Uh, credit to the Patriots. They played to the to the very end. I think that it was a smart move on. <clears throat> on uh, on Bill Belichick's part to to play the game out uh, and not really kind of fold it up uh, because it's good experience for Mac Jones. But, I mean, the second half was pretty much worthless. And they scored 17 points, but by that point, you know, the two touchdowns in the second half, especially the one in the fourth quarter, you know, the game was well in hand and, you know, the Bills just absolutely manhandled them. Josh Allen is proving to be a royal pain in the ass for defenses. Um, he throws the ball well. Uh, sometimes makes some mistakes, but he's a, he's pretty good with the football. But the guy can, you know, they can, it's not, there's some quarterbacks that can break, that a play can break down and they can go out on on a run and pick up 5, 6, 10 yards. And then there's Josh Allen, where they actually run specific plays for him. And what I like about this Normally, I don't like the whole running quarterback thing, but I do like it from this perspective with him. It's usually plays that are relatively safe for him, physically speaking. Now, what does that mean, right? Well, what it means is he is, they're running him to the sideline, giving him opportunities to get out of bounds. It's not like when he's, uh, you know, just, you know, running, just trying to get out of the pocket and survive, and then he he gets hit, right? Like it's it's design plays for him to 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 get out of the pocket and get out of bounds five ten yard down the line and the guy does an incredible job of running the football I mean it's just plain and simple he's he's a he's a natural at it for lack of a better word um and so that game was a, a blowout then we move on to Sunday you get the Eagles and the buccaneers look. <clears throat> The Buccaneers are a legit Super Bowl contender. They're not just a playoff team. They are a legit Super Bowl contender. And the Eagles, while they had played well at the end of the season, let's face it, this is a team that had not beaten a team with a winning record all year long. And so, while I applaud the Eagles in their efforts to make the playoffs, the, the good run that they got in the second half of the season, uh, there's certainly some building blocks there. Uh <clears throat> They were really no match for the Buccaneers. And again, this is a game where, again, one team just keeps scoring and the other team is just not scoring. And so it ends up being a blowout. The Eagles make it respectable with 15 points in the fourth quarter, but ultimately there's nothing there. Uh, The Buccaneers handle their business uh, quite uh, handsomely. And I will mention one thing about the Buccaneers. And I'm going to mention this because when I talk about another game later on, you're going to see a very stark difference. The intelligence of that football team as a whole is very, very noticeable. Uh, late in the game, about three and a half, four minutes left in the game, I believe they get the ball. They've the lead has been cut to 16, which you know is still a big lead, but and they, they're going to run the ball because they're going to try to run out the clock. And they had guys running the ball, getting first downs, and dropping right there. Like, they would not go out of bounds. Even though all of their momentum was taking them out of bounds, they could have gotten 10 more yards if they had gone down the sideline, if they had pushed the envelope. But they were smart enough to get the first down and get down. It's not about yards at that point. It's about clock. That is something that's that's good coaching, that's a smart football team, that understands the game, that understands what they are trying to accomplish. They are trying to win the football game. They're not trying to pad stats. They're not trying to blow anyone out of the water. They're not trying to work on their next touchdown celebration. They are trying to win football games. Win and advance. Get to the next level. Get to the divisional round. Get to the conference championship game. Get to the Super Bowl and, and, and give yourself a shot at crowning yourself Super Bowl champions. That's what that team's focused on. And that is, is a sign of a football team that is a serious contender. They're not concerned with yardage and touchdowns and touchdown celebrations. They're concerned with winning football games. That is a very well-coached football team. Uh, One last note on the Eagles. I think the future is looking up for the Eagles. They have a good solid running game and I think they can build on that. Um, I like their coach Sirianni. Uh, I think that the team can get better through the draft, free agency, what have you. I look forward to seeing how they progress in the next couple of years. I know Jalen Hurts doesn't blow anyone's socks off in terms of being a, a quarterback, an elite quarterback, but I think he's He's good. And I think he's going to get better as he gets more weapons around him. Um, so th- I think the future is bright for the Eagles. And then in uh, Sunday afternoon, we get the 49ers and Cowboys. And, um, you know, this is, this is a difficult game to break down because... There's so much to unpackage on one side. Let me just say this. The players, the Dallas Cowboys players, went out and lost that football game. But the Dallas Cowboys players lost that game. The Dallas Cowboys players and coaches lost. The Dallas Cowboys as an organization lost. And the city of Dallas lost. That was a pathetic performance on so many levels. There are. This is the Positive Sports Podcast. But unfortunately, this is going to be the negative breakdown section. Because there is nothing good to say about the Dallas Cowboys today. They lost in so many ways on Sunday. It is, it's really incredible. They got more penalty yards than, I mean, they probably had more penalty yards than they had offense yards. I mean, I know that's not true, but it sure felt that way. They got a penalty on the first snapped play of the game. What was the penalty? It was a guy lined up in the neutral zone, and look, it was an offside. He wasn't lined up in the neutral zone. The neutral zone is the width of the football, right? And oftentimes, one of the ends will have his hand in that space, right? What, what constitutes the width of the football across the entire field, and the referees won't call that. Sometimes they'll be, they'll lean, you know, lean forward. Their head will be over the football. Sometimes the ref let it, let it go. Sometimes they don't. Gregory had his shoulder pads across the football. That's how far off he lined up. So the referee had no choice but to call it. The Niners ran the ball at will in the first half. At will. Ran the ball up and down the football field. Thank God they stalled in the red zone or that game would have been a complete blowout. They had three field goals in the first half. If those are touchdowns, you're looking at a 28-7 game at halftime as opposed to 16-7. 16-7? Hey, Cowboys have a chance, right? It's it's still a ball game. They're behind. It's not good, but... right? How many times have we seen teams kick three field goals in the first half, comes back, back, bites them in the tuchus, and the other team comes back and wins, even though they played a horrible first half because, you know, in this case, the Niners didn't really cash in their opportunities. Nope, not with the Cowboys on Sunday. The Cowboys ran a play where C.D. Lamb caught a pass over the middle and then was supposed to lateral it, lateral it to Pollard, who was down the sideline. Most laterals are underhanded. C.D. Lamb... Did his best Johnny Unitas impersonation and launched this thing into the third row. First of all, why we're running a trick play, a hook and ladder type play in the second quarter? It smells like desperation to me, but okay, whatever, to each his own, right? But that play looked like it had not been practiced at all. And the way they showed up this week, I wonder if they did practice. Dak Prescott did not throw the ball well. Overshot receivers. The receivers dropped passes left and right. Zeke Elliott had 31 yards of rushing. The offensive line didn't do their job. Defensively, they were getting run on left and right. They played a little bit better in the second half. Offensively, they started to move the ball a little bit. They stopped the, the Niners' momentum in the second half, and Jimmy G helped them out with an interception that got them to within one score and a chance to possibly win the football game. And then you have the debacle at the end of the football game, the time management. Look, potentially two shots from the 40 to the end zone, two Hail Marys in twelve seconds in 10 seconds, uh, Maybe. As opposed to one shot from the 25? Yeah, we can argue whether that was the right play call to have Dak do that scramble. Okay, we we can argue that. I'm I'm fine with that. But then to line up and put the ball like you're going to spot the ball. Look, if some dummy like me knows that the referee has to touch the football on every single snap, the referee has to set the ball on every single snap, how do you not know it? And again, that's coaching. Just like we talked about Tampa Bay, well coached, smart football team, that's lack of coaching. And that's not just this week, that's all season long. Because Tampa Bay has been working on that scenario since minicamp. The Cowboys in on super wildcard weekend still don't know that the referee has to touch the ball. And it was that one second of the referee having to fight his way through the offensive line that was already set, take the ball from the center, and then move it three inches or whatever it is that he moved it. That was the second, or the second and a half, or the two seconds, or however much time it was, that caused the clock to go to zero and them not be able to spike it so they could take that one shot to the end zone. So the Cowboys was just a comedy of errors during the game. And then it gets worse. Yes, it gets worse. It gets worse. Because you're a proud football franchise, and then what you do afterwards is worse than the performance on the field for the previous three hours when you played a football game against the 49ers in the playoffs. Because then you have fans throwing bottles at players, at referees. Fans acting like idiots, throwing all kinds of debris on the the officials and the players as they're walking off the field. I'm not going to crack the joke about other cities because it's it's just disrespectful. It's disrespectful and it'll take away from the tongue lashing that Cowboy fans deserve. You're better than that. You're a storied and proud franchise with many Super Bowl rings and many Super Bowl trophies in your trophy case. For you guys to act that way is asinine. Not to mention, it wasn't the players' fault. It wasn't the refs' fault. It was Everyone's fault. And it starts at the very top. All the way down to the bottom. It starts at Jerry Jones and it goes all the way down to the last water boy, equipment guy, whatever. It's the whole organization. There is no one left to be unblamed. No one. Absolutely no one. There is blame to go around for every single person. And wait, it gets even worse. That's right. It gets worse. They played a terrible football game in the playoffs to lose to the 49ers at home, and then you have fans throwing debris at players and referees, and yet it still gets worse. And what I'm talking about now is Dak Prescott. Now, I'm a big Dak Prescott fan. I like the guy. I genuinely like him. He's tough. He's a good football player. He's a true leader. But what he did in the press conference and his comments in the press conference after the game are inexcusable. And I hope the NFL is listening. I hope the NFL heard them. And I hope the NFL acts. It is inexcusable. When asked by a reporter about Cowboy fans throwing debris on the field, he went out and starkly defended his football team. And starkly defended his players. And stood in front of the media and said, Hey, You should ride with us all year long because we sacrificed and nobody wanted to go out like that. Perfect answer. But then the follow-up is where he really screwed up. A reporter followed up and said, well, maybe they were throwing, well, I don't know that they were throwing it at the players. Maybe they were throwing it at the refs. And Dak Prescott said, not once, not twice, three times. He says, well, credit to them. Credit to the fans for doing that. Encouraging fans to behave that way when the call doesn't go their way. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's terrible. And I hope the NFL deals with it. And They have to deal with it. I can't imagine that they won't. You hear coaches getting fined for criticizing officials all the time. All the time. This goes beyond criticizing officials. You're encouraging people to throw debris at referees. Can't have it. Cannot have it. That is inexcusable. And I am am more than willing to accept... That Dak spoke incorrectly in the heat of the moment. I am more than willing to accept that Dak said something in the heat of the moment that he did not mean and that he does not want people to interpret that way. However, he said it. Not once, not twice, but three times. And so for that, the NFL must act. A fine. A hefty fine. A suspension. Maybe. It's that bad. You cannot encourage and uh, and praise violence towards anyone. Especially officials. Can't have it. Cannot have it. So yes, the San Francisco 49ers won a playoff game to advance in in, in the playoffs. But the Dallas Cowboys lost. The Dallas Cowboys players lost. The players and coaches lost. The organization lost and the city of Dallas lost. Do better. It is unfortunate that probably the most, the, the biggest part of this podcast will go to that miserable performance all the way through from the kickoff to the postgame presser. That's about as complete a failure as you can have on any given day by an organization. And the Cowboys had that on Sunday for the whole world to see. It's unfortunate, but do better. It was a terrible performance. Congratulations to the 49ers. They don't have an easy road ahead of them, especially if Bosa does not uh, clear the concussion protocol. But, you know, they're a tough football team and I think that uh, you know, they they they're going to they're, they're going to they're gonna, they are going to battle it out with whoever they have to face, and we'll get to that a little bit later on. Um, <clears throat> in the nightcap on Sunday, what can you say? The Steelers felt like the most, the least deserving team to be in the playoffs. Kansas City is, is amazingly not a one seed, but was predicted before the season started to be the best team in the NFL. And so this was a mismatch, really. The only thing that um, – the only thing, the only hope that, uh, that Pittsburgh really had was T.J. Watt and Ben just playing a game out of his mind. And it almost happened because in the beginning the defense was holding their own. Uh, Big Ben wasn't doing much, but at least it was 0-0 for a while. And then um, you get T.J. Watt with the scoop and score. And uh, it looked like you might have something. But then the offense for the Chiefs started clicking. And they rattled off uh, a few points, I think. 42. In the end, the Chiefs are way too much. Another blowout. Another not exciting game. But so it goes, right? Uh, So they advance. And then finally we get to the first ever Monday night playoff game. The very first... Monday night game, Monday night playoff game in NFL history. And it's the Cardinals going to Los Angeles to play the Rams. A lot was made of Matthew Stafford having never won a playoff game after all of his years in Detroit. Certainly a big monkey on his back. Um, These two teams split during the season. I thought it was going to be a good game, but the fact of the matter is, Kyler Murray just did not have a good game. Now, Part of it's Kyler Murray. Part of it was that Rams defense was very good on Monday night. And uh, really just put it to them. Um, Kyler Murray made some pretty poor decisions with the football. Uh, and it, it cost them dearly. And it's unfortunate. But they really got their doors blown off. 34-11. to a game, a game that was 21-0 at the half. And it felt worse than that. Uh, Kyler Murray trying to avoid a safety in the end zone through a duck that got intercepted at the three and run back into the end zone uh, for a pick six. Uh, just not a good football game by the Cardinals all the way around. Another team that did not look especially prepared for the moment. They couldn't run the ball, uh, they couldn't throw the ball. Granted, you know, Kyler Murray was missing DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, it's uh, unfortunate that. You know, he wasn't there. I think that game's a little bit different if he is because offensively he's such a weapon and it does give him quite a bit of help. But the Rams just, just came much more prepared to play. Their defense was on point and Stafford played a, a decent game. Played a good game, actually. I shouldn't say decent. Played a good game, got the monkey off his back. And so off they go onto the playoffs. And so here we go. We're coming into the second week, the divisional round, as they call it. Saturday, we get Cincinnati going to Tennessee uh, in the early game, and then San Francisco going to Green Bay at night. Uh, Sunday, you've got the Rams making the trip to Tampa across country, and then the late game being a rematch from uh, earlier this season and the playoffs last year Buffalo last year or the year before. Buffalo goes to Kansas City again. Look, <clears throat> they're all going to be good games because um, – Yeah, at this point, you only have good teams in the playoffs, right? And not only are they good teams in the playoffs, all of these teams, except for the two that have a bye going into this week, have won a playoff game. So they got a little momentum, even if they finished the season, even if they stumbled at the end of the season. But in this case, you're looking at every single team with – some serious momentum going forward. This is going to be, uh, hopefully, a better weekend of football than what we got last weekend. Let's start at the top, Cincinnati at Tennessee. The big thing here is Tennessee at home, but Derrick Henry's back. Uh, He's practicing, full contact. He's going to be ready to go. That Tennessee offense is completely different with him in the lineup. It's just a different swagger. It's a different control. They don't have to rely on Tannehill to uh, to move the to move the ball. So, look for the Tennessee offense, especially after a week off, to kind of really get the engines going early. Cincinnati coming off an emotional win last week, and still they're a young team. They're fine. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, fun guys to watch. But I think in the end Tennessee is going to pull this out. Uh, San Francisco heads to Green Bay in, on Saturday night. Now, unfortunately for San Francisco, they get one day less of rest against a team that's been rested for a week. Uh, So it's going to be tough for them. The key in this game is going to be Bosa. If Bosa clears concussion protocol and is 100%, I think the Niners have a chance. They can run the ball. Their defense is good. They can make the game difficult for uh, for Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. If Bosa's out, and they can't get pressure on Aaron Rodgers. It's going to be a real, real problem. And the Packers rested. It's going to be tough. And, you know, in Green Bay, I'm sure it's going to be nice and cold because when is it not cold in January in Green Bay? It's going to be a tough game for the 49ers. I don't think Bosa is going to be back. And with that being the case, I think the Packers are going to win this football game. Sunday, you have the Rams going to Tampa Bay. This could end up being the best game of the weekend. Um, The Rams' defense has the kind of defense that will give Tom Brady trouble. They will be in his face. They will rattle his cage. They will put pressure on him. Uh... Remember, they've got Aaron Donald in the middle. They've got Vaughn Miller at the linebacker position. They've got a very, very good front seven. That's going to cause some headaches for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If the Tampa Bay Buccaneers get Leonard Fournette back, that's going to help greatly because it'll give them options to run the football, both inside and outside. Um You know, they're missing Chris Godwin, so Mike Evans is going to have to have a big game. And of course, Gronkowski, the Brady Gronkowski connection we've seen for, you know, a dozen years. And so we know that works. Um, It's going to be a very good game from that perspective. On the other side of the ball, look, the Tampa Bay defense is for real. They're getting healthier as the season goes on. Remember, early in the season, they had a stretch there where it seemed like they were playing with, you know, paper dolls in the secondary because they were all getting hurt well, those guys are all starting to come back and they're starting to get healthy on the defensive side of the football. And they're going to have to because the Rams can run the ball and the Rams have receivers that can catch the ball. They are a complete offense. Cam Akers and Michelle running the ball in the middle in between the tackles and on the edges. They're going to be very good running the football. But then on top of that, Odell Beckham and Matt Stafford seem to be really getting a connection going. And look, on the other side, you've got the best receiver in the league this year in Cooper Cup. They can throw the ball as well. So we're going to get a game where I think on both sides of the football, it's going to be very difficult to say one team has a huge advantage over the other. Look, when Tampa Bay has the ball, Tampa Bay is a very good, efficient offense. If they get Fournette back, they'll be able to run the ball. They can throw the ball to those receivers. They've got Tom Brady, the the best quarterback that's ever lived, right, and still playing well at forty four against a defense that is talented. You've got Ramsey in the secondary. Uh, you know the, the David Long in the secondary who's playing well. There's a lot of good football players in that in that Rams on that Rams defense. So that is going to be a battle of the Titans. And like I said on the other side of the ball, the Rams show that they can move the football both on the ground and in the air. If Matt Stafford can make good decisions and not make big mistakes, it's going to be good. I'm not going to pick in this game. It's too close to call. I think the game is going to be very, very close, and it is going to be, I think it's going to come down to the last possession or two. I think it's going to be a bit of a nail-biter, and I'm really looking forward to it. No pick for me on that one. And then Sunday night, or Sunday late afternoon, we get Buffalo at Kansas City in a rematch of a game that was played earlier this year, Buffalo won, and a rematch of a playoff game, I want to say it was last year, I could be wrong, that Kansas City won. Look, (laughs) I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but I'm not making a pick in this one either. Um, Offensively, Buffalo is is hit firing on all cylinders. Josh Allen is playing really good football. Um, <clears throat> Stephon Diggs, Singletary running the ball. They have options. They have a lot of uh, a lot of weapons. Uh, Knox, the tight end, is uh, is playing well over the middle. It's gonna to be tough for the for a Chiefs defense that has been playing well. This is a tall order to slow down that Buffalo, um that Buffalo offense. And look, on the other side, it's the same thing. Kansas City seems to have more weapons on offense than any one team should be allowed to have. There should be a rule that you can't have that many fast, fast, fast players on offense, but yet they do. And uh and the Buffalo defense is one that has been playing well. As the season has gone on, they've gotten tougher and tougher and tougher, and they seem to be playing better and better. I think this is going to be another tremendous matchup, and one where, again, I think it's going to come down to the last possession or two. I know maybe I'm a little bit jaded from last weekend, um, seeing so many blowouts, but I think this weekend we're going to get some really good games. We may have one, uh, one blowout here or there, but i tell you what, I don't think you're going to see a blowout on Sunday. On Sunday, I think we're going to see some top-notch football and some really exciting games to get to the conference championship. And I, for one, can't wait. So, that's a preview of Super Wild Card, a review of Super Wildcard Weekend, a preview of the divisional round of the playoffs. And as always... I'm excited for another weekend of football coming up. As always, folks, if you want to reach out to the show, you can, uh, you can do so via email, sports 10 at gmail.com, sports 10 at gmail.com. If you would uh, like to get a hold of my brother and, and send him some well wishes, you can do so on Twitter at show one And if you want to get a hold of me and talk a little football or talk a little running, share your Houston Marathon experience with me, whatever... You can reach me on Twitter as well at emontana21. Folks, I hope you enjoyed last weekend. I hope you enjoy this coming weekend. Stay safe, work hard, and most importantly, ignore the negativity. Be the positivity. Peace.